Tonight, I have a message for you. I believe it's for every one of us. As I said, I hope that somewhere in this message, you'll, you'll say, <clears throat> here I am. Here I am. Praise the Lord. You know, the Word of God tells us over and over things like, seek the Lord, seek His kingdom. We're to seek Him with all our hearts. But you know, our relationship with the Lord is not one-sided at all. Did you know that He seeks after us? He certainly does. Since the beginning in the Garden of Eden, the Lord has sought to have a relationship with man. Even after Adam and Eve had sinned in the Garden, Genesis 3.9 tells us that God came into the Garden looking for them. He's calling out to Adam, Adam, where are you? Where is Adam? Hiding, hiding in the bushes. Like that works. <laughs> it just always strikes me as funny. Here's a man, you know, trying to hide from the one who knows everything, who sees everything, but he's hiding in the bushes from God. But you know what? In one way or another, there's a lot of people still trying to hide from God. I think it's one of the reasons that so many people don't want to go to church. In a sense, they're kind of hiding from God. I mean, you know, some of them even say, if I went to church, the roof would fall in. But on some level, I'm telling you, there's a lot of people that are just kind of hiding from God, maybe even running from God a little bit, <laughs> as if, as if you can hide from God. The Lord knows exactly where we are, and yet He seeks for us. Luke 19.10, Jesus said, for the Son of Man has come to seek. He came to seek. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. Why would an all-knowing, all-seeing God seek? He knows where everyone is. He knows where everything is. You know what I mean? I mean, He knows everything. You know, we lose our car keys or phone or whatever. God knows where it is. In fact, I hear my wife sometimes, I'll hear her saying, Lord, you know where my keys are. Where are they? And a few minutes later, I hear her say, thank you, Jesus. Now, some of you, you need to remember that next time you get ready to go into panic mode, right? Just, just ask the Lord. He knows where it is. Amen. But you know what? The Lord is not seeking in the sense that he doesn't know where we are. When it says that he is seeking, it means that he is pursuing us. He knows where you are. He's pursuing you. He wants a relationship with everyone. How wonderful is that, that the God of the universe, I mean, the self-existing God who has need of nothing, yet he pursues a relationship with us. That is amazing. What a wonderful God. I once was lost, but now I'm found. You know, they think it's because I'm old that I s start singing or quoting these old songs and stuff, and maybe it is a little bit, but some of them's just that good, just saying. But anyway, I was once lost. Now I'm found. He found me. He was pursuing me. He still is. 
You know, when we're lost, when we're out of fellowship with Him, He seeks us. He wants us back. Jesus said, Luke 15, 4 through 7, He says, What man of you having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one which was lost until he finds it? And when he's found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. Now, He tells us this story so that we will understand the heart of the Father here. Listen, he says, I say to you that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 just persons who need no repentance. He tells this story so that we will understand how that the Father wants to pursue after and bring home that lost sheep. When we turn to Him, it brings Him great joy. I don't really remember this story. I don't remember it at all, in fact. But my parents told me this story several times that when I was, I guess I just turned three, and we lived on a busy street in Dallas, and one day, I just kind of disappeared. And so they're looking all over, all over the yard everywhere and up and down the street and talking to the neighbors and everything else. And then finally, my dad finds me, like Adam, hiding in the bushes. And he says, Mark, why didn't you answer me? And I said, I did. I said, here I am, Daddy. <laughs> mm-hmm. But here's the thing, our Heavenly Father, He knows where we are, but He will not force Himself on any of us. It's up to us to want that relationship with Him. He says in James 4, 8, draw near to God and He'll draw near to you. See, that that relationship is available to us, but we have to be willing to open that door. We have to want that in our own heart and life. I want to encourage you tonight that he seeks the lost. He seeks those that have strayed. He seeks for them to bring them back into relationship with himself. And, you know, some people think that they've just strayed too far. Some people think that they've made too many mistakes. And yet it gives him great joy if they'll just turn to him. He loves us, and He wants that relationship with every one of us. Flaws and all, we all come to Him just as I am. See, I got another one in. But that's right. We all just say, here I am. That's how we come to our Father. We just come to Him. He's ready. He's not just pursuing a relationship with us. He's also pursuing worshipers. John 4, 23, Jesus says, The hour is coming and now is when true, the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such to worship Him. The Father is seeking such to worship Him. He's looking for true worshipers. He's pursuing after true worshipers. You know, anybody can call them, call themselves a worshiper, but He wants true worshipers. See, when when we worship Him in spirit and in truth, 
he's pursuing after us. That, see, we get his attention when we really worship him. Some people go to church and they go through the motions, but their hearts aren't in it. They're not true worshipers. Jesus talked about the people of that time when he walked, walked this earth. He said, they praise me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. And I tell you, some people today, that's exactly where they are. They may go through the motions, but they're not really pouring their heart out and worship to God. They're not really worshiping him in spirit and in truth. Some people just, I think, look at the worship time as, a, you know, it's just singing some songs. Uh, it's kind of an old thing. Used, some people even used to call it the song service. It's more than singing some songs. It's worship. And it's, here's where it kind of hits home for the church culture of the day. It's not about us. It's not for us. It's not an emotional experience for us to just enjoy. It's for Him. It's worship for Him. It is a ministry to the Lord that we ought want to bless Him and glorify Him, to worship Him. That's what it's really about. And I'm telling you, the Father is looking. He's seeking for those who worship Him that way. He pursues those who truly worship. And you know what that means to me? Now, if, if the Lord is pursuing true worshipers and you're a true worshiper, what's going to happen? He's going to find you. That's right. He knows where you are. And when you're a true worshiper, he's seeking such. Is the Father seeking you? If you're a true worshiper, he is. He's pursuing after you. And I'll tell you, when we worship him in spirit and in truth, he pours his presence out on us and we are refreshed. Acts 3.19 tells us that times of refreshing come from the presence of the Lord. And I find that so often in those times of refreshing that God just makes himself known to us in a fresh new way. I mean, it may be something that we've known in our head and all of a sudden we just see, we just understand with the heart in a fresh new way who our Father is. It's those times of worship as we focus upon him and we glorify and honor him, we pour out our love on him that he shows up. Here I am. I want to be a true worshiper. Here I am. Here I am. Don't you know Satan hates it when we worship? Satan at one time was Lucifer, the anointed cherub who led the worship of heaven. But then in his pride, he exalted himself and said, I will be like the most high. He wanted the worship for himself. And he was booted out of heaven. And God is raising up, he is bringing together a people for all eternity who will worship him. That's you and me. And don't you know the enemy hates it? You know, this is an area where so many churches at times have great strife. And I think especially spirit-filled churches where they really worship in spirit and in truth Oftentimes, the enemy will incite people and stir people up about the worship. 
We don't like that kind of music. We like this kind. And somebody, why not this and why not that? And it happens even in the worship team where people get at odds and strife with one another. It's one of the things I'm so thankful for our worship team that they all have humble servants' hearts. Not one of them is up here for their own glory. They're all up here to worship God. And I want to tell you part of the key to that is, is they all spend time in prayer before they get on this platform. But we just need to realize how much the enemy hates it when we worship and how much our Father loves it when we worship. He is seeking such, those that worship in spirit and in truth. You know, Satan, he even tried to get Jesus to worship him. And instead, Jesus said, it's Luke 4, 8, Get behind me, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. But you see, to worship in spirit and in truth, Jesus says, him only you shall serve. It's not just about the, you know, the fruit of our lips. It is also about us living the life that worships God, that we daily glorify the Lord in our life. Part of the plan of God for eternity is that he is bringing together a people who will worship him. To be a musician or a worship leader, I think there's some talent, there's some gifting involved there. But I got to tell you, you don't have to be a musician or a worship leader to worship. There's no talent or gifting involved. You just have to have a heart to worship. Here I am. Say, I'm a worshiper. I, well, if you can say it from the heart. Listen, anytime I say, say it, don't say it if it ain't real for you. You know what I'm saying? Don't go through the motions. I mean, maybe you can say it by faith, but, but I'm a worshiper. The Father is seeking you. I'm telling you, here I am. Next, he's looking for people that pray for others. Did you know the Lord is looking for intercessors? He wants now, an intercessor. That just is somebody that prays for other people. All right. So he's looking for people that will stand before the Lord and intercede for somebody else. Stand in the gap. Ezekiel 22, 29 through 31, it says, The people of the land have used depressions, committed robbery, mistreated the poor and needy, and they wrongfully oppressed the stranger. So I sought for a man among them. He sought for somebody who would make a wall and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land that I should not destroy it, but I found none. Therefore, I have poured out my indignation on them. I have consumed them with the fire of my wrath, and I have recompensed their deeds on their own heads, says the Lord God. Wow, what an amazing passage. Stick that in the pop theology of the day. I got it in, y'all. People make jokes about me saying pop theology. I'm just, if you didn't know that, well, it's a thing. But here's the thing. Some of these passages, they just don't fit in with the pop theology and the way people view God and the things they say about him, that God would pour out his indignation and his wrath. Yes, we may not understand it, but if somebody doesn't pray, judgment comes. 
We have to stand in the gap before the Lord. He is the sovereign God. And however he chooses and he sees fit to move and to work, that's the way it's going to be. And he's chosen to move and to work this way, that somebody has to pray. He sought for somebody. He looked for somebody, but he couldn't find even one person to stand in the gap. Now, the good news for us is we got a lot more than one that will stand in the gap, don't we? We got some prayer warriors. We got some people that intercede. We got some people that'll pray for others. You need to say, here I am. That's me. I'll pray. I'll pray for others. Because if you don't, I'm telling you, it makes a difference. Something happens when we pray that doesn't happen if we don't pray. See, it is always a trick of Satan to get people in unbelief where they think their prayers don't matter. Yes, they do. Every one of us, your prayers matter. And the Lord is looking for people who will pray for others. I want to give you an example of when the Lord found an intercessor. The Israelites sinned against the Lord. And the Lord says to Moses, Exodus 32.10, Now therefore let me alone that my wrath may burn hot against them and I may consume them now and I will make of you a great nation. Wow. I know some of you are thinking, oh, this is all Old Testament. Well, you read in the book of Revelation about the wrath of the Lamb and how men will hide their faces from the wrath of the Lamb. You know, the meek and gentle Jesus, you know, the Lamb. They're going to hide from the wrath of the Lamb. I just want you to know that when we pray, it makes a difference. So Moses, he pleads with the Lord. He intercedes and prays that the Lord will show them mercy and spare them. In Exodus 32, 14, it says, So the Lord relented from the harm which he said he would do to his people. Never underestimate the power of prayer. You know somebody that's going the wrong way? Pray, pray, pray. You know somebody that's just acting like the devil? Pray for them. Intercede for them. You see the things going on in our world? Pray. 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 You shouldn't be able to watch the evening news without having to have a prayer time. I mean, if you're going to watch that junk, do something about it besides getting upset. Pray. Because prayer can make the difference. You know, I think too often we just underestimate the power of prayer. And we just, you know, anytime you start feeling like your prayers don't really matter, read the Bible. Just read the scripture. Because over and over and over, Old Testament and New Testament, you see where prayer made the difference. God moves when we pray. He responds to prayers prayed in faith. I think a lot of carnal Christians are really mixed up about this, and so I'm just going to say it very plainly, very clearly. Prayer is way more powerful than politics. See, I got you. I got a few of you there with me. Some of you, you're, you're hashing through it in your mind. You're thinking, oh, now, wait, politics are important. Prayer is way, way more important and way more powerful than any politics. Our God can do anything. He is the one who exalts and brings down, the one who promotes 
He's the one that plants and uproots. He's the one that builds and tears down nations. Prayer is what makes the difference. We need to know this. You see, a lot of people, I'll tell you, if they got the just half as on fire about prayer as they are politics, God would move. We need to be praying, being a praying people. He is looking for somebody that will stand in the gap. Here I am, Lord. See, we got to say, here I am. I'm, I'm going to be that person. You see, in that intercession, it's not just about staying the wrath of God. It's also about bringing revival and healing. Second Chronicles seven fourteen. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I'll forgive their sin and heal their land. More prayer, less fighting. More prayer, less complaining. More prayer, less pride. More prayer, less striving. More prayer means more forgiveness. More prayer means more healing. More prayer means more restoration and more victory. We, just, we need to pray more. We need to pray more. Everybody, everybody that you know that's lost, everybody that you know that's going the wrong way, Everybody that you know that's heading the right way. That's right. The sinner needs prayer. The saint needs prayer. And everybody in between needs prayer. We all need prayer. How about, you know, these great men of God like Peter? Jesus says, Satan has desired to sift you like wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith fail not. You see, prayer is so important. We all need prayer. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1 and 2 says, Therefore I exhort, first of all, that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks... That's, you just got to see that he gets this in here. And giving of thanks be made for all men, wow, and for kings and all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in godliness and reverence. That's different. Somebody needs to stand in the gap and pray and give thanks for the leaders of our nation and all men. This is how it's done. Getting mad and complaining is not the way. And it doesn't lead to a quiet and peaceable life. I don't know why other people don't have to preach this stuff. I just see it in the Bible and God shows me and, you know, I don't know why. Pray for me more. Some of you do. Pray for me more. But I'm telling you tonight, the Lord is looking for somebody who will pray. Paul said in Ephesians 6, 18 and 19, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints and for me, that utterance may be given to me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. We all need it. You got to stand in the gap. For your family. You got to stand in the gap for your church. Pray. 
You got to listen. If the Apostle Paul needed prayer, how much more do you think I need it? Come on, if you're, if, I mean, the more you dislike me, the more you know you need to pray for me, right? But even my wife can, she likes me, but she can tell you I need prayer. We have this conversation every day. Pray for me. I'm praying for you. But we all do. That's right, brother. We all need prayer. Without prayer, all our efforts are in vain. Prayer makes the difference for every one of us. In looking for somebody to pray for others. Will you pray for others? Here I am. Here I am, Lord. He's seeking those who are after his own heart, those who will do his will. Here's the word of the Lord to Saul after he disobeyed the Lord. It's 1 Samuel chapter 13 and verse 14. He says, Now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought for himself a man after his own heart, and the Lord has commanded him to be the commander over his people because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. Now, there are a lot of interpretations about what this means, a man after his own heart, but the simplest definition is, is that it is a heart that wants what his heart wants. You want what his heart wants. A man after his own heart is somebody that wants to do what God wants. You want the will of God to be done. It's a servant's heart. You know, the heart is the seat of the will. It's where we make choices and decisions. And if we are after his heart, then we choose to do his will. See, Saul didn't obey the Lord, so the Lord found somebody who would. He's looking for somebody. He says, I sought for me a man after my own heart. I believe God is still looking for people who want to do his will, who want to fulfill his purpose, who have a heart that wants to do what he wants. You know, our Lord Jesus is always the best example because he always did what pleased the Father. He said, not my will, but your will be done. Even when it was hard, when it was so difficult, he made that choice that he wanted what the Father wanted. Not my, not my will, but your will be done. And I just, I want you to understand this about when he was saying this, he's talking about King David and he's talking about him this way because David would be that man who would obey the Lord and would fulfill the will of God. In Acts 13, 22, it says this, it says, and when he had removed him, talking about Saul, he raised up for them David as king to whom also he gave this testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, who will do all my will. A man after his own heart will do his will. You want what he wants. And I'm telling you that God is looking for people like that. People that will do his will. Now, we all know that David wasn't perfect. He made some terrible mistakes. But his heart was turned toward the Lord. He wanted what God wanted. And this, just think about this. David was this great king, powerful, 
You know, he defeated all of his enemies. But David didn't just do what he wanted. No, there are so many times when he would pray and seek the Lord and do what God wanted. You see, this attitude is so predominant in our culture. Saul was the king that did what was best for him or what he thought was best for him at least. He did what he wanted instead of obeying the Lord. And you know, that's kind of the theme of this generation is, you know, it's my life, I can do what I want. Well, not when you call him Lord. David, he was king, but he knew who the real king was. And we need to know who is king and Lord of our life. You know, if the Lord was looking for a king, I mean, if he's looking for somebody to rule, there's a lot of people in our world that would say, here I am, I'm your man, you want somebody to rule, I'm the guy, here I am. You're not looking for a king. He's the king. He's looking for servants. He's looking for those who will do his will, who want what he wants. That's who he's looking for. Here I am. One of the times when David sinned was when he numbered the fighting men. It's Second Samuel 24.10, and David's heart condemned him after he had numbered the people. You ever felt that? Your heart condemned you? So David said to the Lord, I have sinned greatly in what I have done, but now I pray, O Lord, take away the iniquity of your servant, for I have done very foolishly. The King James says that David's heart smote him. You see, he had a tender heart that wanted to please the Lord. But because of David's sin... Judgment came on the people in 2 Samuel 24, 17. Then David spoke to the Lord when he saw the angel who was striking the people and said, Surely I have sinned and I have done wickedly, but these sheep, what have they done? Let your hand, I pray, be against me and against my father's house. And the reason I wanted you to see this is because what we talked about earlier is the prayer of an intercessor, praying for others. And here David puts himself as the intercessor for the people. He says, let this be on me, not upon the people. And I, I just, I want you to see that that heart there, that you see, he cared that much about the people that he, he, would, he was willing to put himself in their place, to stand in the gap for them, to intercede for them. And you see, we need to have that kind of heart for those that we pray for that we, we want to stand in the gap for them, that we're not just throwing up a prayer, but we're interceding before the Lord for them. You know, we see David all through the Psalms as a worshiper. I mean, he wrote so many of those beautiful Psalms and, and worship to God. The Lord's seeking those kind of people. And David... Just one more quality I want you to see that I believe made David a man after God's own heart is that, you know, even as a, a young shepherd watching over the sheep, 
He, when a, a sheep was taken by a lion or a bear, he would go and he would kill that lion or that bear with his bare hands and rescue that sheep. And then when Goliath comes out and taunts the army of Israel again and again, day after day, send me out a man, send me out a man, and nobody will go. Then David shows up and he says, I will go. He was willing to go after that sheep and rescue it. And he was willing to go out and face Goliath. And I want to tell you tonight that God is looking for somebody who will go. Who will go? I'm telling you, this is what he said to Isaiah, Isaiah 6 and 8. He says, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And Isaiah said, then said I, here am I. Send me. Here I am. Our father is seeking, he's looking for somebody that will go. Jesus said that we are to go into all the world and preach this gospel, to go and to make disciples. One way or another, it is in all four gospels. We need to realize that he wants us to go. He's looking for people that will go. John 20, 21, Jesus said to them again, Peace to you, as the Father has sent me, I also send you. He called us to be witnesses. He told us. I came to seek and to save that which was lost. Jesus isn't here in a physical body, is he? Well... Not that kind of physical body, but he's here in this physical body, the church, which is his body, the scripture says, the fullness of him that fills all in all. He's still seeking the lost, and guess how he's doing it? Us. He wants us to go. He wants us to be involved in reaching other people, helping, serving working. Jesus says the harvest is great, but the workers are few. He's looking for workers, people that are willing to be involved and help. He's not looking for the gifted and talented. He's not looking for the qualified. He's not looking for the educated. He's not looking for the rich. And contrary to what a lot of people think, he's not looking for the famous or the popular. He's looking for somebody that will go. That's who he's looking for. Who, who can I send? Here I am. Here I am, Lord. He's seeking the lost. He's seeking those who strayed away. He wants a relationship with you. He's seeking true worshipers. We're not just playing church. We're not just going through the motions. But we worship him in spirit and in truth. He's seeking people that will pray for others. Prayer is how it gets done. That's what brings the power of God is when we pray. He, he's seeking those who want what he wants. He's seeking those who will do his will, fulfill his purpose. And he's seeking those who are willing to go like Isaiah. Here I am. I hope that you find yourself at least one place in this message tonight where you need to say, here I am. Here I am. I pray for others. I'm willing to go.
I'm willing to serve. I'm willing to work. I want you to stand with me.